depends you, on what peace means to you, I guess. You would have to, like a child, this, that would be, world peace would be like the vegetable that you have to disguise and, and, and the kid that didn't care for it. You have to present it in a different way. But if you show me the vegetable, I'm not going to eat it. Fuck that. Iron Brains, a podcast that, following some comments from a former president over the weekend, is looking hard and bigly at committing some major crimes in the near future in order to boost our appeal within marginalized and minoritized communities. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing tonight, Lori? I'm upset that you never responded to my text. Lori's upset that I didn't respond to a text I left her on red, as they say. That's fine. At least you read it. Scatterplot is a word that sounds way, way cooler than it actually is. Scatterplot. Was the text. Scatterplot. Tonight is Monday, February 26th. 2024. I uh, I had considered multiple. I iterated on responses to that text in the moments after it came through, uh, and decided that uh, everything I was coming up with was not equal to the task of being hilarious to me and annoying to you in proper measure. Hey, well, you accomplished annoying to me, and therefore I just let it be. I was I was leaning in the direction of. Uh, scatter plot is uh, uh, exactly how I would sum up True Detective Night Country, the fourth no, season lame. of True Detective, because it's it's scat, as in there's a shit amount going on. There's this, this is uh, scatologically related scatter. Or there's yeah, the her in the in the you know like the the old thing about any time a word ends in er, you could. Pretend as though you're you're saying it, you're verbing it to the woman, right? Oh, okay. Like uh, so, scatter becomes scat her. Like I hardly know her, that sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, plot is like the it was all just a big plan, a big evil plan by Isa Lopez to scat her plot all upon us. So that was that was the text that you didn't receive. At 4:02 p.m. this afternoon, when I uh, backspaced, like we're I backspaced all split it. Up. I backspaced it out of the response field rather than actually sending it to you. We're gonna split up. We have a plan. Yeah. We're gonna scatter. We're gonna yeah. do something mischievous, and it's just a stupid graph. Yeah, it's a it's graph. So disappointing. Oh, that's what it. Okay, I, I thought there was another meaning. That's scatter what it means? plot. Oh. It sounds good. Stupid. No. Issa Lopez uh, did a number two, and then scatter plot, and then and then opened up one of those big whiteboards in the in the writer's room and just <laughs> threw it at the wall. <laughs> scatter plot. <laughs> there we have it. Uh, there we go. Hey, Erpen, I heard you tried to listen to the show last week, but gave up because I was going on at at too great a length about the show that you acknowledge turned into a big pile of shit. There's my there's my much pithier review. I hope you appreciate it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> hey, what'd you get into this weekend? Anything fun? 
I uh, I went to go see uh, Hamilton. Uh, they Fuck were in yeah. town uh, at the Fox Theater here in Atlanta. It was like a sold out show. I've um, I haven't seen the show. I mean the, the the pro shot version of Hamilton since like what 2020. When did they but release you saw it? Like, during the yeah, pandemic, you saw it in right? 2020. Well, we yeah. and we did a content mall episode on Hamilton on Disney Plus. We watched great. it and. Uh, had a That's very right, fun time discussing it. I have not gone back and listened to that episode in some time. Perhaps I can drop it into the feed in some way or, or otherwise check it out in the show notes. I'll link to it if anybody wants to listen to that fun episode, yeah. as I recall. The uh, Obviously, this is not the original cast. The original cast is, I think, the best. Obviously, they, they did a great job with it. I'm but sure there were, were many iterations past the original cast at this yeah, point. Yeah, way right? past. Yeah. So this, the oh, original Hamilton was terrible. The original cast was pretty. I mean, okay, no, 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 no. I'm doing it relative no. to this cast. Lin Manuel <laughs> right. Miranda, right? Right. Like, no, there's no way is, who you saw was not better than Lin Manuel Miranda. So that's okay. So here's the thing. All right. So I don't know if it speaks to the difficulty of each role, but like the the person who played the king, like that everybody loved him. Like even though the uh, the original king guy, everybody likes too, but like they love this guy too. Yes, yes. Just- there are so so there are roles in musical theater or or theater in general that just they're just home run roles almost no matter what. Like uh, in in Jesus Christ Superstar, the role of of King Herod is the one that everybody like that 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 guy always fucking slays no matter what. So if you want the Christ, yes, the great Jesus Christ, prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. If you do that for me, then I'll let you go free. Come on, King of the Jews. Richard Henry Lee in 1776. There are just there are some roles that uh, whatever whoever gets to do them you like Josh Gad in Book of Mormon that guy's always whoever that ends was, up in that role is going oh, to yeah. get the most laughs just because the way that the show is written. I think that goes also for for King George. Yeah. So the yeah King the King basically was that because like anytime he came out like they were just eating it up. Like before, I will fight the fight and win the war for your love, for your praise, and I'll love you till my dying days. When you're gone, I'll go mad. So don't throw away this thing we had. Cause when push comes to shove, I will kill your friends and family. To remind you of my love. I thought the role that would be easily be bettered would be the 
Lin-Manuel role, right? Like, how can you, I mean, Jesse could just plug in anybody and they would be better. The person that played Alexander Hamilton in this show that I saw, it felt like they were playing Lin-Manuel playing oh, Hamilton. God. That's because the raps fucking suck. Like, there's no getting no, around the, guy the fact. No, I saw was good. I'm sure that it was good and better than Lin-Manuel Miranda. But still, it's you can still sort of, it's like you can taste Lin-Manuel Miranda in the back of your throat as soon as you start hearing those fucking, that, that melody that he puts into everything. I can imagine it being unpleasant no matter what. Right. The, the, uh, the one where it was like the most glaring like weakness was uh, whomever was playing Thomas Jefferson and the other character. Like, I think the guy that was on the... Disney Plus version did a great job with it because this guy, like, it just he couldn't kind of keep up with some of the. It's a very some, tough like, role. Yeah, there's just a lot of like you had to say things very fast, and I think he kind of was yep. struggling with some of that. Uh, Is that the, overall, the David Diggs role? Yes. Yeah. 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 The yeah. Diggs he, role. He was yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Everyone, give it up for America's favorite fighting prince. So that, that was the one where it's like, okay, that, that, that's a, every other role is like, it didn't matter. Like every, the whole show kind of works. I mean, the production, like the, the stage is exactly how I remembered it. And then it was a scene for scene kind of replica of the, what I remembered and my memory is not so hot until they get to the last 20 minutes. I was like, I don't remember it going exactly like this, mm-hmm. but again, my memory is not one to rely upon. Uh, but everything I was like, this is exactly what I remember how I mean, the story this- went. Does Aaron Burr still kill him? No. Yeah. <laughs> it ends I mean, the similar, stage but just, rotates. I just don't remember right? the sequence of events ending the way it did. And maybe it's because it's such a long show yeah. that it's kind of tuned out. But overall, a great, great show. Uh, if you are, uh, I have a weak bladder, like, you got to sort that out and stop drinking um, <laughs> at the show because they give you just 20 minutes. Which is fair, you would think, but like, no, there's no, just no. not enough the, bathrooms. There are never to... enough bathrooms at these places. And the, yeah. the, fo- the Fox in particular, I don't re- recall having anywhere near enough bathrooms the bunch of times that I've been there. So Yeah. But other than that, like I said, it was a very good show. It was a lot of fun. Have you, is that your first major musical theater experience? That's a stupid well, question for you to ask, Bob. I thought so too, but Lori uh, corrected me that there was indeed another one. It was the, the Book of Mormon. Oh, right, right. That is yeah. a stupid question of me to ask because <laughs> uh, I think we went together. <laughs> we Although, ate really in- fucking delicious French fries the the at the restaurant next door. And fun fact, I was pregnant and didn't know it. Oh wow! Look at that. You could have pop quiz hot shotted me that entire sequence of events, and I would have failed on every single. Yeah, you would. You didn't remember it happened. Aspect of it. This is and and. It's important that people not take – like, obviously, Abe isn't going to take that shit personally because he also suffers from the same uh, precise problem. And much but like, version. I, I had, for example, completely forgotten that I hung out in New York City with my uh, good friend of the show, Mark Gillig, uh, composer also of the opening and closing themes. Uh, like way back in 2011 or something. He hung out with us when we went with Chris and um, – right? With George and the girls' haircut on fire. Yeah, we were at the we went to Cali- the bar. Caliente Cab. Yeah, he came with us and we went to that bar, the Fat Cat, and then years later he asked you the name of the bar and I remembered it. Right. And I was like, I think you must have texted the wrong friend because I don't think we ever hung out in New York City together. In fact, 
I don't remember ever personally going into the city to like hang out and do cool grown up stuff. Like, what are you it talking about? It was the about? night that Boise State lost whatever game that was by the missed field goal. Oh. Right. Whereas Lori can, can pin it down to a very specific time period and has many anecdotes about the night. I need to be reminded that it even happened. And then and now, yet you don't fucking believe me when I tell you I remember something. No, I believe you most of the time. You tend not to. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, really great time that I had seeing the Book of Mormon. I remember it uh, clearly being wonderful, but like the actual experience of it. Uh, gone. Just right. completely yeah. gone. <laughs> Just, and all of the context around it, nope, absolutely not. Don't take it personally, please. I'm sure that I was fully engaged in having a great time with you, uh, whatever it was that we were doing, uh, friends of mine. But I, I certainly don't remember it, and I'm I'm sorry if that matters to you. Uh, but am, it was great. Uh, I'm confident that a year from now I will forget that I've watched Hamilton like in person. It's like, oh, no, that's not on Disney. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Uh, we went skiing. We went to the mountains we again. We skied the whole day. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. How was it? it was great. That yeah, was good. It With was, the kids uh, and everything? Everybody was there? They... Yeah. yeah I, I, I collided with my daughter coming down the mountain at, uh, I mean, not not like dangerous top speeds, but it's hard when two people are both skiing down a mountain and if you, know, you collide, uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna leave a mark to some extent. And and what happened was we were coming down Daddy fell on me. Yeah. <laughs> we were coming down the steepest portion of this particular slope and parked like three quarters of the way down that part of the slope was like a four or five-year-old girl who was getting a lesson from an instructor uh, who had wiped out and was just there in the middle of the thing with the instructor standing there trying to help her get her skis back on. And my daughter is just in front of me as we're going down the hill, and I'm, I'm so I'm trailing. And, and so you sort of have to decide, like, how am I going to avoid this traffic, right? And as long as the person that you are also sort of navigating the terrain with doesn't choose the exact opposite of what you have chosen in your head, right. uh, you're probably going to miss each other. Unfortunately, I chose to do one thing at the exact same moment that my daughter chose to do the exact opposite thing from opposite sides of this uh, wreck in front of us. And we just collide in front of one another like right in front of the wreck and she goes down and i go like right on top of her and sort of roll over her small little body with my gigantic fat uh, adult-sized man body as i'm also trying to like shove my body off the ground so as not to crush and kill my daughter who uh uh it must be said i had one of those uh time slows down uh, the moment stretches into infinity. I'm probably this is this is how I kill my daughter. This is this is the end of her life. Uh, I'm going to now. I wasn't going nearly fast enough to do real Neither damage. Neither of them were, and everyone had helmets on. Right, it was going to be fine. Uh, you know, was worst she aware case. that this was about to happen? No, she was completely shocked by it because she was in front of me. On the, so she didn't see this coming at all. Okay. She was completely blindsided. I saw it coming. Only, only in the moment that it happened, and it was too late to to change the situation. Any, uh, it was. Is there like a language in skiing, like they have with golf, like hey, you know, four, like watch out, or oh my god, or something? There's no. You can't. You can't. It. You. You can hear 
someone coming. Yeah. You just need to be aware of your surroundings and try to make good decisions based on what everyone else is doing. But this the fact that we both had to avoid the same spot on the hill at the same time, uh, like really, if uh, like looking back on it, if I could have just waited and allowed her to get further down the hill and therefore there's less, you know, when there's less traffic, there's less of a chance of you hitting someone, uh, that would have been the move. But, you know, like like I said last time, uh, I'm just throwing myself down the mountain at dangerous speeds and hoping for the best ultimately. Not uh, to uh, not to impugn your skills, but like, would th- could, oh, this no, have been, could this have been could this have been avoided if you were like a slightly better skier? Or oh, almost certainly, yes, okay. of course. I mean, a a, a cap- someone who is capable, like I'm capable of starting at the top of the mountain and getting down to the bottom of the mountain without uh, falling. Seven times out of ten, maybe. Okay. Like I don't know how many times we went down the mountain over a the lot. course. We it went was, down a bunch. It was probably like twenty, actually. Now that you think about we it, we went down a lot. We, it was all day. It was like all yeah. We were there for like eight hours, uh, and and took a break for lunch in the middle. But we were there for most of the day, or six hours, six or seven six hours. hours. And so that you know, yes, definitely, uh, a person with more skill could have avoided that. I'm just to the point now where like. I'm comfortable uh, and fairly confident that I can go to the top and get my ass to the bottom without grievously injuring myself. Uh, apparently not without grievously potentially injuring my daughter, but that's another story. Uh, but it was fun. And there was one – I had one like really serious wipeout where we I went down the other – the slightly steeper, more intense hill. There were a couple. Did you only go down the one? No, because I did – no, did. you didn't end up doing that other one. You were too scared. <laughs> I was not too scared. How dare you? <laughs> I, uh... Okay, why didn't you do it then? <laughs> I will not accept fear okay. as an explanation for why I didn't do it. I was still learning and trying to become more comfortable on the skis, and I did not want to put other people at risk, which is my main concern about being on the mountain in the first place. It's not my well-being. I'm fairly confident that I can ditch in a way that uh, I'm not going to injure myself, like if I find myself getting out of control. But I'm not so confident uh, that just by nature of the of being out in traffic that I'm going to be able to avoid all uh, potential negative externalities so for myself and res- others. So you were being responsible. It wasn't an act of cowardice that you avoided it. It was an uh, act of charity to others i don't appreciate your tone that's exactly it that's (laughs) nailed it but anyway i went down uh one of the steeper because there's there's like three or four different there's blue there's blue blue. and then there's green and then there's black green is the easiest okay i went down green if we went 20 times i went down green 17 and i went down the blue side three times there was another blue path that i could have taken that uh, I'll have you note also blue, just as blue as the other one that I that I did go down. But anyway, I went down one of the blue ones one time and just completely ate shit, like completely lost Immediately it. Immediately or like when no, 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 no. Like down. I got down to the worst part of it where there's a it's it's super steep and then there's a a ninety it's degree turn steep. where it well yeah super steep for me not for a legitimate skier but for me. Uh, and there's like a 90 degree turn into where the trails merge, right? And so I'm coming to the bottom of the steepest part of that mountain and trying to begin my process of turning into the rest of it. And my leg gets crossways from something and everything goes flippy upside down. And my uh, my left shoulder just goes 
like hard into the ground, like hard. And you could see it when we were coming back up the mountain the next time. I pointed in the snow because it was all smooth snow except for this one spot, this giant man-sized spot of disturbed <laughs> snow. It's like, hey, look, kids, that's where dad ate shit last time down the mountain, in case you didn't notice. It also was delightfully, like, not crowded. So where you fall and make a big divot in the snow, by the time you're coming up on the ski lift again, it's not been disturbed much because it was not crowded. Right. Was, there, was there a reason for that? Was there some other event going on? Was it the weather? There was another event, but also it started raining, okay. which was really cool. It was raining at the bottom of the ski lift. And then you'd go up, and it was snowing at the top. Nice. It was very cool. Wow. Uh, it, maybe my favorite thing that happened was that. I don't know. It was great. But there was a, that scared people away, and that yeah. was great because yeah. it made it more fun. It was fine. Uh, on the other hand, I didn't sleep well either night, and then I didn't sleep much last night. So I'm kind of tired and punchy tonight. Oh. So bear that in mind as we plow through here the rest of the evening. Uh, let's quickly run through a little bit of the WGAS no. news bag. No, you said you were doing the other thing. What, the predictions? Yes, now it's 9.15. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably get to some predictions. That sounds good. No, no, no. Start with the but, predictions. But, but, but no. first, the uh, WGAS news bag. Uh, a, a, yeah, yes, Lori? <laughs> Don't do it. A U.S. Air Force member is critically injured after he set himself on fire outside an Israeli embassy in protest. Did you see this story? I did, although I, I heard that they updated it to he died from the self-immolation. Did he not? Uh-oh. Oh, I the bomb. He doesn't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I... Apologies. Uh-huh. I, I uh, tried to refresh my... Browser window to see if the AP had updated <laughs> it its worked. story uh, with he died, and instead I update I, I refreshed the Zoom window oh, or the Google Meet here where we're trying to have our nice conversation. Um, update: Active U.S. Air Force member dies after setting himself on fire outside of Israeli embassy. Apologies for the fake news there. That's not something you want to. If you're going to commit to that, you don't want to survive that, right? Isn't it like like an impossible? Turn around with the recovery, all the grafts. Yeah, it sounds terrible. No, yeah. And I heard about this because I uh, was just scrolling through my Twitter, and there's a photograph of a man on fire on the street wearing an army uniform. So that's. Once again, your Twitter sucks. That's the sort of thing you can look forward to seeing on occasion when you open up your Twitter app. So that's fun. My Twitter app, it says, who do you project the top five teams in the Big Ten to be over the course of the next three seasons? Mine's way better yeah. than yours. I should switch to mine. I did, I did not see, and I had no interest in seeing the, the actual footage, but uh, from the descriptions, they were saying that there, were, there, were, there was a cop pointing a gun at this person who was willingly burning himself. Is, is that accurate? <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah. Oh, I didn't watch the video, but that was my understanding of of reading the the journalist who was sent the video gave a blow by blow of the video, uh, and that that included a, a police a responding police officer who was trying to get this guy on the ground while holding a gun on him before eventually a security guard ran up from I don't know if the security guard was from inside the embassy or not, 
I believe that most of the responding law enforcement were ser- Secret Service and not not just local fuzz or anything like that. Not- um, He's he was active duty, and not that you need to be connected to the conflict, but he had no connection to the conflict in Israel Hamas, right? I don't know. I I can't imagine what the connect. What's the nearest connection one could be is deployed oh, well, like, on, a, like, on a Palestinian on a naval or carrier or something. Like, what I'm saying, like if, if he had, he's not like Middle Eastern or he didn't have any like. No, he's a white. He's a white uh, uh, redheaded white fellow. Right. Yeah. Which again, uh, you don't need to have that connection, but. Yeah. This guy's uh, uh, particulars aside, I have been all along, of course, I've been annoyed by people glibly calling for a ceasefire as though that were somehow some sort of a uh, solution to this. I've as as recently as uh, yesterday, uh, John Oliver said on his show, like the, the U.S. vetoed a ceasefire in the United Nations, I think was the phrase that he used there. I'd have to double check it. It's been a busy week from the U.S. vetoing a ceasefire in Gaza yet again. But he didn't say that the U- U.S. vetoed a ceasefire resolution or a or a, a document simply calling for a ceasefire right. in Israel, as though as though the passage of such a resolution would immediately end the conflict in Gaza and and restore peace to the region. Uh, uh, that's not what would happen if the U.S. had failed to ve- had not failed to veto right. uh, the the resolution. The conflict would be continuing apace. Uh, the only difference being that some people at the U.N. would have wagged their finger in a threatening way in the general direction of Israel. I mean, ha- uh, Dan Sa- Dan Savage was equally glib in his uh, calls for a ceasefire in Israel. It is a welcome distraction from the Biden news, from the Trump news, from the Gaza news. For fuck's sake. Ceasefire now, and it—I mean, it, this guy obviously had the courage of his convictions. Uh, as as awful an act as the self-immolation is, uh, I guess he's got that going for him. Uh, to whatever extent that's commendable, uh, but I, I just had that going for him. I don't anymore. see. I don't see how. And I, I mentioned this on the morning press last week, I'm sure, but I just don't see how any demands for a ceasefire that does not include uh, Hamas's complete and total abdication to any claims of uh, political authority in the region is anything but a non-starter in this conflict. It doesn't make any sense uh, that a ceasefire would happen as long as Hamas continues to claim any relevant governing or political authority uh, down there. Right. And and uh, I know this has been like a recurring thing. Like I've, I've read this story three times, four times over the last month. But yet again, I saw in the news today that there is some agreement or the contours of a ceasefire with a hostage component, uh, hostage release component in the works, like where the U.S. and Qatar and others are – trying to get something worked out to where there is some sort of temporary ceasefire along with some releasing of the hostages so that everyone has something. Because you're right, if it is just a ceasefire, that's not going to be acceptable to one side. If it's just hostage release on the other side, it's not going to be acceptable to the other side. So there has to be some sort of, you know, some some meeting in the middle kind of thing. And, and it seems like that's where they're going to. But every time it's announced, I think the president, uh, President Biden, made this announcement today, Monday, uh, something else will scuttle it. So somebody will say, oh, we want something else, and it will kind of undermine the effort. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, to the point of the 
the U.S. is standing in the way of the ceasefire at the U.N. Like, have, haven't there been similar efforts towards Russia? Hey, stop doing this, and they continue. Like, I think passing something at the U.N. is not going to uh, do something, you know, on the ground, right? So, like, even if, like, let's say there wasn't this obstacle, uh, it's not like there would be a ceasefire. It's not like, oh, shit, Israel and Hamas right. say if we have to and stop. Like, they would still continue fighting each other. And these, like Oliver in particular, he's pointing to the UN as though it has a relevant authority here, as though it has some sort of some sort of power to make declarations about the way the world ought to be that that would be meaningful to conditions on the ground. If that were the case, then they they themselves then the UN itself is responsible for what's happened right. since October seventh because they should have known as the rest of the world did that this was an untenable situation, right? That the, 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 this was inevitably going to boil over into this sort of conflict. Right. I, and it, I, I wonder if people because it seemed like people treat the UN as if they were the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court also doesn't have anything to back their decisions, but people respect it. I mean, for the most part, they have. Uh, and so whatever they say goes. But the UN, it doesn't work that way. So just because you pass a resolution at the UN, the the the, the countries that are part of the UN aren't like, well, it came from up high and we have to do this thing. Like, so, so. Right. If the UN wants to pass a meaningful resolution, they can pass a resolution that says uh, – we demand a ceasefire now. We demand the end of uh, Hamas's governmental authority in the area, and we will install a colonialist imperial power over the course of the next I – mean, we won't call it that. We'll call it a transition authority of some kind. Uh, that will be in place for a minimum of the next 10 years. Uh, all all aid and humanit humanitarian and political work goes through this uh, United Nations-run uh, situation, and – uh, and then we'll figure something else out uh, along the way as we go. But without that sort of a, I mean, and of course that's fucking impossible, right? right? That, yeah. That's a that's a pipe dream on the order of opening up New Mexico to the Jews or what have you. But to me, like, unless you're going to put something behind it that has actual uh, force and 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 is a, a viable option, I mean, at the same time, like the the UNRWA motherfuckers uh there, there's dozens and dozens of hamas agents who work for unra right. right as has been uncovered in this whole uh right. process right. they they don't have the legitimacy to be able to make these sorts of proclamations that change anything about the reality on the ground and it drives me nuts to see glib americans pointing to them as though the un was going to do this this great thing and and allow a ceasefire to take place or, or to come into effect and the and the dirty americans stepped in and said no we want more war that's just not true. Domestic politics, uh, the campaign for the uh, GOP presidential nomination moves to Michigan today, uh, being Tuesday when this show comes out. We had the South Carolina primary over the weekend in South Carolina, yes. appropriately enough. What? <laughs> and, uh, and Donald Trump won at about the margin that he was expected to. If you go look at uh, polling averages, he slightly underperformed what the polling averages had him at. He was at like uh, 63, 65 at the top end, and he only ended up getting about just shy of 60 percent right. of the vote, whereas Haley and Haley came in with just shy of 40 percent of the vote. I think it really would have been helpful. I didn't double check these exact percentages, but uh, Ron DeSantis got like 22 or 2,500 votes. I'm not sure if the 2,000 votes had switched from DeSantis to Haley, if that would have put her over the 40% number, but it just, it would have looked Visually, better on the page. Yeah. 
if it was 59 and change to 40 something, right. but because it's six, it's, it's 50 something to 30 something, it feels bigger than it sort of actually is. I mean, that's basically um, the, uh, uh, landslide win margins. Like if you get to 60 and a little under 40, like you're basically a landslide. And if it's anything 50 something to 40 something, you can make the argument that you're within striking distance. But yeah, I mean, the, the problem is the, the question isn't the, the margins. I mean, this was expected that uh, Trump would win in Haley's home, ta- home state. Uh, the, the question is those 40 percent, like the 40 percent here, the 40, what, four, 45 percent in New Hampshire, are they preferring a, an alternative candidate, but then they will fall in line in the fall, or are they adamantly opposed to Trump no matter what? So, like, the question is like the composition of the 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 forty percent. Like, are they like no matter what not Trump, or are they like I would prefer someone else, but I'm going to fall in line? Because if it's the latter, right. then it doesn't. I mean, basically. It w- the, the the 2024 election will be exactly like it went, you know, as far as being a very close race as it did in 2020, right? But if there's actually like a very strong core of I'm not voting for this Trump guy in those 40%, then Trump is very weak, right? Because if, if the – because people are saying, oh, you know, somebody like Kim should have a higher uh, margins. But like if they're just going to fall in line, it doesn't matter. Right. So as a preview of uh, Monday's Morning Press, which is now officially becoming Tuesday's The Morning Press, uh, so it's a preview for Abe, but a rehash for the listener. Uh, So (laughs) apologies. Uh, But to rehash what I said on The Morning Press this Tuesday morning, I believe it's the latter. I think it's the, the other thing that Abe said there at the end, which is that this is indicative of Trump's weakness. And my my reason for that is uh, this consistent 40% anti-MAGA number that we've seen MAGA. across the first handful of primaries, right? So we have and, – and, and uh, to acknowledge uh, an old 2023 prediction of mine that obviously turned out to be wrong where I said that a single challenger to Donald Trump uh, would result in the Republicans nominating someone besides him because I did not think that his ceiling was above the 50% number. But if there were half a dozen Republicans in the race heading into Iowa uh, and beyond, that it would result in the same thing that we saw in 2016, which is that Trump kept winning these fucking primaries with like 30 and 33 and 35% of the vote and everybody else collecting the remaining 60 or 70%. And I thought that if everybody else got out of the way and you put either a DeSantis or a Haley, then there would be enough of an anti-Trump thing going on there. Uh, And that was immediately proven wrong by uh, when the indictment started coming down, that what I thought was a a ceiling of 40 percent of the Republican Party turns out to be a ceiling of like 60 percent of the Republican Party. And I think most of that can be attributed to the rallying around the Trump effect that happened as the Alvin Bragg and the Letitia James indictments came down uh, in New York. I think the Jack Smith ones would have they only compounded the problem in the summer because it felt like more piling on. If they had been the only ones, uh, the Jack Smith indictments being the uh, election interference case and the documents case, those are seen as more legitimate because they are uh, more obviously uh, uh, directly criminal in a in bad presidenting kind of way, right? right? And I think the Republican mainstream would have been not thrilled about it, but not as quick to rally behind Trump as they were 
because it felt like just piling on after the Stormy Daniels and the fraud indictments that came down. Anyway, while I was wrong about that, the fundamentals of it are still accurate. It's just that the ceiling is higher than I thought it was. And the ceiling appears to be around 60% of, of Republican support. Because if you look at Iowa, if you add in the Haley and the DeSantis numbers, you're at about 40% right. of an anti-Trump vote. Right. When you go from there to New Hampshire, which is a weird-ass state, granted, and a, a large number of independents participate there, uh, so you expect to see that number higher, and that's exactly what we got. Trump only got, like, I think 55 or something percent of the vote in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and the anti-Trump vote was stronger there. And then you go to the weird situation in Nevada— where they have a primary on the one hand that Trump is not uh, competitive in or not even competing in, and then you have a caucus a few days later where Haley is not competing in. You see Haley, the the headlines coming out of Nevada were Haley loses to none of the above, right? Right. But if you look at that number, in excess of 30% of people went out to simply say, we want Nikki Haley in opposition to Donald. The only reason to show up right. was to vo- voice your adamant opinion that you want nothing to do with Donald Trump. And that ended up being a, a third of the Arizona Republican electorate came out to do just that. And then again in South Carolina, it's between that one-third to 40% number. Again, I think we're seeing a very consistent— Yeah, there's a stubborn 40% that's like, not this guy, not this guy, over and over and over again. Right. And now in Michigan, which is today, or at least part of it is today, it's another one of these situations where you have the state has attempted to take over the the primary process from the parties and the parties are rebelling. And so now there's a compromise deal where they're going to award out of the 55 delegates, they're going to award 16 of them uh, based on the results from the primary tomorrow. And then they're going to have a caucus, uh, a party caucuses on Saturday where uh, delegates from each of the congressional districts all gather at a state convention and the, the state party decides where the delegates are going to go. That is further complicated by the fact that Michigan has dueling GOP chairs right now because they're uh, fucking completely insane. That hasn't and, been resolved yet? I thought the, the, the crazy one was uh, told to, so, to piss off. Yeah, so they met in a firing range. The Republicans did. They called Normal. a they they called a Republican <laughs> Party meeting at a firing range and had a vote where they ousted the uh, Republican uh, Party chair who ran for Secretary of State is a, a lunatic Trump election denier type person, replaced by another lunatic Trump election denier type person, it must be said. So both the warring factions of the Michigan GOP are both diehard Trump supporters. Uh, One of them has the institutional support of the national uh, party. The other one, this woman who is ousted, is making uh, uh, various legal claims in court that she is the rightful uh, uh, chair of the the party. And so she's having, I think hers is going to be in Detroit. Her her state party convention is in Detroit with one slate of electors, and there's a dueling one in Grand Rapids, which is going to be the official one, apparently, uh, that the party is going to recognize, but this will ultimately be resolved in court. Anyway, the, the point is we're going to have 16 delegates awarded tomorrow during the primary. This is one where Trump is polling much higher than than the other states. He's like in the, in the higher 60s and even in the 70s in the state, apparently. 
Uh, but even if it's even if it's seventy thirty or something, like we're still in that one third to forty percent range of Republicans who are actively going out of their way right now to voice opposition to an inevitability, which is that Trump is going to get the nomination from the party. And that tells me that it's going to be if if thirty, forty percent of Republicans are are this, even if they're going to fall in line, right? Even if, let's say, 90% of them are going to fall in line. What does that speak to uh, the, the motivation and what does it speak to uh, uh, the independent vote, right? And right. it's crucial that Trump wins the independent vote because without it, uh, he, he simply cannot win, right? A, Re- a Republican cannot, I think, in our lifetimes, I think a Republican has won the presidency while losing the independent vote once. I think George W. Bush lost it by like two points in 2000 or maybe 2000. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But Republicans need the independent vote because they are have traditionally been a smaller collection of people. Fewer people have identified as Republicans over the course of our entire lives. And, and that, that is slowly changing over the course of the last couple of years of the Biden administration. We've seen party affiliation numbers come down from Democrats from about 35 or 33 percent down into Republican territory so that they're about even. Although those sorts of numbers are are difficult because you sort of naturally see a slide when somebody like Biden is that is that nationally unpopular. But, you know, to to that point, you know, um, the the other trend has been that the 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 share of people who identify as independent has gone up. It's actually the the number one block, isn't it now? Among- it's a it's a it's a record high. As long as Gallup has been tracking this, we're at we're but that's at- got to be just people who aren't Republican I, anymore. I, I think it's that, but I also think like I think the brands of the two parties are like toxic to where people are. You yeah. know, people say they're independent, but they they will generally vote one way or the other consistently, so- right? And right now, independents make up 43 or 44%, according to Gallup, of the electorate, and they have a Republican lean, which speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Abe, which is that uh, – and what I'm talking about, which is that Trump is this toxic figure in the Republican Party. People do not want to identify themselves, even though they lean towards – they're leaning away from Democrats for whatever reason, and right. you could say it's the the cultural stuff in all likelihood is the, is the reason, but they cannot bring themselves to be on board with Trump at this point. So And, and to identify as a Republican, unless you're a diehard, lifelong, uh, uh, card-carrying member of the party – this has become his party. It's not. It's not yours anymore right. in a in, in a in an important way, and so a lot of people are are who would lean conservative are going to call themselves independent now. And how many of those people are going to like uh, Biden won independence by thirteen points right. in twenty twenty. Trump won the independent vote over Clinton by I think uh, three or four points, like forty six to forty two or forty six to forty four, something like that. And that was the margin that he needed in those in those three or four states where it really made a difference. He cannot afford uh, to lose the independent vote, and I just don't see how. If Republican, if Republicans of all people are not utterly enthused at the prospect of another Trump presidency, what does that say about? independent notions of, of the next Trump presidency. And by the way, I checked uh, a, a handful of different polls today as to what independents th- think about the 2024 election. And I got everything from uh, 55, 40 
in favor of Biden to 55-40 in favor of Trump. <laughs> the polls are just, they're completely unreliable and all over the place. So we have no way of knowing. But like, we're if we're in a situation where we have an uh, 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 all-time record low uh, presidential approval rating for the incumbent in in Joe Biden, but he's getting 90 plus percent of people to come out and vote for him in the primary. Right. right. So like, despite the fact that people fucking hate him across right. the board, there's the alternative. As long as Trump is in the picture, uh, they're not willing to rock the boat so much as to be like, yeah, how about Marianne Williamson or Dean Phillips? No, we're going to stick with what's worked, which uh, in terms of defeating Trump is, is Joe Biden. And, and maybe this speaks to my uh, upcoming prediction if we ever get to it. But who is going to be motivated to show up to vote this time around? And how do we see anything but a, a slight pullback from previous years of enthusiasm? Like who fucking – who's going to care enough to yeah. show up? But So what's what's interesting about this year, I, I find this amusing, is because like – Anxiety is very high. Enthusiasm is very low. It's like if you look at like uh, weather events, like you know, a high, whatever, low, whatever, to create like a hurricane or whatever. Like there are all these different atmospheric events that cause a thing to happen. So like if you have very high anxiety, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And then you also have like so in in Michigan, there's all this talk now about like Biden's in some trouble because there's a high uh, Muslim population in Michigan that's uh, reliably his. But they're not happy about what's going on with Israel, Hamas, and the Palestinian situation. And so there is this talk about, like, abstaining. Like, they're going to withhold voting for Biden. I mean, they're not going to – I think uh, there's not going to be a lot of crossover. It's not like the the 30 40 percent of the people who don't want Trump but are otherwise, like, Republican or conservative. I don't think a lot of those people are going to cross over. The question is, are they going to sit home or are they going to just kind of vote for Trump anyways? And the same thing goes on the other side. So there is the potential for, despite like all of the, 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 the concern for chaos this year, that you may have a depressed turnout, despite the high anxiety of how this is going to shake out. Because people are like, I don't like my choices. I don't know what to do. I don't like how this is going to end up, but I'm I can't vote for the other guy and I can't vote for my guy. Like I don't know how that's going to shake out, but there is this. It's unusual to see anxiety about the election this high and enthusiasm be this low. Right. All right. We'll move on here in the WGS news bag. The Supreme Court heard arguments today uh, on a, a First Amendment challenge to laws passed in Texas and Florida about whether or not those states can prohibit platforms essentially from uh, deplatforming speech that they don't care for. In Texas specifically, it the law that was being challenged prohibits the platforms from engaging in viewpoint discrimination, so-called, uh, where a platform that doesn't like or doesn't want a particular view on their on their posted to their Instagram or Facebook or what have you, uh, Texas's law would say you're not permitted to make those sorts of editorial uh, publishing decisions. Florida's law prevents specifically uh, political candidates from being barred from access to uh, social media platforms. So it would it would compel Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or what have you to leave politicians who violated their policies it would it would compel them to keep them on the platforms and based on i don't know if you followed any of this uh coverage today just briefly i just kind of read some of it 
based on the questions and the way that the, the arguments went, it seems like the court is is fairly skeptical of the idea that states should be permitted to uh, regulate social media companies in this specific way, although it is it is sort of a difficult problem. You can imagine the ways in which, I mean, I don't know. I have to, to be honest, I have trouble seeing the state's side of the equation here in terms of a state being permitted to come in and demand access to a platform, essentially, right? Essentially for the government to say, you must allow this speech on your app or on your, on your platform and, and that not being a form of compelled speech. You know, I I think that the, I, I don't agree with what the states are doing in this case either, but I guess the way they probably would, I would imagine, would frame it is like they are saying that you, these uh, social media platforms, these big social media platforms are like a common carrier. You're like this bridge, and you're denying red trucks to cross this bridge, but you're letting all the other colored trucks cross the bridge, right? But the problem is like they're they're focused on like, oh, uh, you're denying us access to these platforms because of our political point of view. Yeah, but but they, go start a fucking GeoCities page, right? right. Go go start yeah. a go 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 host your own fucking shit. Like what are you talking about? You you don't have access to the bridge. Facebook is not the bridge, right? Facebook right. is uh is a privately owned road right. in a in a gated community. Right. Like it's it's not at all the same thing. No, it's true. Yeah, Facebook but I think, wishes I think that, yeah, that were that. That's the argument they would make. It wouldn't be a strong argument, but the the, the issue that I have even setting that aside is that they're they're kind of using the political point of view as a mask. Like the issue a lot of times is how you express those views, right? So like if you are expressing views, whatever they may be, in a way that's not consistent with those platforms, terms of service, they're going to kick you out. But they're saying you're kicking too many of our people out. Like what if many people on your side are expressing points of view in a way that's inconsistent. So like if anybody did that, so basically it's like a uniform policy. The, the way it's shaking out is that it's affecting more, but it still remains a uniform policy. I mean, have they come up with examples to where like one ex, like vile expression was allowed and another was not? I mean, if they, they could find those examples, then make that the, the, the focus of the case. Because otherwise, I don't, I don't think these cases are going to go very far for them. There was a tweet that I saw today that that speaks to this in a backwards sort of way, which is a a guy who I've seen posting some of the most insane conspiracy nonsense on the platform. Like I'm going to look it up right now. So there's this guy. His name is Matt Wallace. He's a a young bearded fellow. Uh, he's not Matt Walsh. He's Matt Wallace. I thought you were going to say Matt Walsh for a second. I was like, oh, this guy. He posted all sorts of Taylor Swift, uh, NFL, Travis Kelsey conspiracy theory okay. stuff. He 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 retweets stuff about how Tom Hanks is a pederast. Like like uh, he does like and and Jim Carrey is a pederast and and so on and so, oh, so forth. Like that, everybody in like uh, everybody's a right. That, I bet this guy's into like kids. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. There's some projection going on there because if he's like this- usually when there's like but there's no like I'm I'm, I'm focusing on the pederasty nonsense but it, that's like that's like ten percent yeah. it's not even his beat okay. it's just like he just he's he's scatter plotting he just throws <laughs> he's, you're ruining the word you're making it worse he throws everything at the wall to see what fucking no. sticks uh, he posted on. And like, like I, I only see him in my for you tab. I don't follow him, but, but because Twitter sucks now, uh, they're they're trying to shove the high engagement stuff at you at all times. 
He posted announcement. Unfortunately, I am likely going to have to shut down my X account and focus on other things. The reason why is because Community Notes contributors are now unfairly noting almost every single viral post I have. I can no longer support my family on X. Now, that's what I saw shortly after I saw a tweet of his where he suggested that a gay love affair was happening between uh, Justin Trudeau and I don't know if it was... uh, Zelensky or somebody else, but like he 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 posted a conspiracy about how Justin Trudeau is engaged in a a torrid gay love affair with another world leader, and that that explained why the world was uh, uh, is is degrading in the way that it is in his view. And then the next thing that he posted that I saw was a picture of his two small children on the internet. Uh, And him saying, sadly, he can no longer continue to do this important work. And by the way, he spent the last 36 hours after that doing uh, precisely the same thing. So when people use these community notes or what have you, like, does it affect the the spread of the... Yeah, so if you get noted, if you get community notes comes in and corrects something that you've posted, then I think you cannot make money on that particular post. Okay. So if you have like this wildly viral claim that like, you know, Alex Jones says uh, the the water is making the frogs gay and the frogs are making you gay uh, and that like 100 million people see it. But then a community note pops in and says, "Uh, this is not true. The the frogs aren't gay and neither neither is the water making you gay. You might be. then can't blame the frog. Then Alex Jones can't make any money on the hundred million impressions that he got on that tweet. Uh, so this is what this guy is complaining about. I I, again, I'll, now I'm rehashing again what I said in the morning press earlier today. Uh, if you're listening to this in real life, you should have done it last night. You're so bad at this. Thank you. I was tired. I'm not sold on this idea that the free speech rights of the social media platforms are what we need to be concerned about here, that somehow Facebook has, uh, through their corporate personhood, has the right not to be compelled to post things that they don't want to... Like, like I think that's true, but I also think it is, uh, like, who fucking cares? Like, what are we talking about here? Facebook's First Amendment rights? That's nonsense. Uh, But also... I think, and I haven't seen this raised anywhere else, so maybe it's either it's either a uh, a novel and completely unconstitutional interpretation of things that I've come up with here, and therefore completely inapplicable, or it just doesn't matter, and so nobody else has has been voicing it in this way. But to me, it's a violation of my freedom of association to have the government say, I demand that a platform on the internet has to have all of this content, no matter what the content is, right? Like, what if I have joined Facebook specifically because they said, we're a community of of many thoughts and opinions, but we're just not going to have uh, fucking Florida Gator fans anymore, right? <laughs> like, this is just, we. this is a Florida Gator free uh, a social media platform. And that was part of the reason that I chose to associate with that, right? And part of my First Amendment rights is to freely associate with those who I would uh, choose to freely associate with. And the government coming in and saying it is completely unacceptable that you have a Florida Gator free. Now, it'd be one thing, right? You can't have a – although at the same time, you can have private clubs that discriminate uh, up the wahoo, right? They they discriminate any which way they want as long as it's a private club. And for the government to come in and say you can't – not associate you cannot have that freedom of association and in fact your freedom of speech 
or rather this other person's freedom of speech is the, his right to that extends to a right that he must be heard by you right that they are they are not just compelling speech they are compelling hearing right they they are compelling hearing on me you know like and that's how that that's the, the i've not heard this framing elsewhere maybe like i said maybe it's a, a completely extra legal understanding of the situation that doesn't have any bearing on the constitution whatsoever but to me that's a much more interesting question is why should the why should the government be enforcing a compelled hearing right. by by forcing other people's speech to appear on a platform that I've chosen to associate with? And I don't understand that. No, that, that that's a good point. I mean, already like the uh, Facebook and others, uh, they allow uh, content that they would otherwise not. And the argument that they'll say is because it's in the public interest or in the public domain, right? So like a a candidate for high office, like if they say something objectionable, they'll still have that on. I mean, they may have some message about it, but like they're already kind of doing what these states are, are asking for, but the states are trying to codify into law to where you have to do it for everybody so that a lot of bad, just vile kind of content can be uh, protected based on, hey, I am, you know, I am, this is a political message. So it doesn't matter what objectionable things I say, you have to leave it on. And I think that's not going to fly. I think this is not going to really go anywhere. Right. All right. Last thing in the WGS news bag, we will... It's now 10 o'clock almost. We will do a quick Strassman. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you, Florida, we're a free state. Free state? Costly approach. Strassman gets off a good one. Another negative, surging positivity rates. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. The first U.S.-built lander to touch down on the moon since the Apollo program has uh, successfully more or less uh, done LSU so. LSU one? It's, uh, it's from a company called Intuitive Machines. I do not know what relationship, if any, they have with Louisiana State University. But Mark Strassman was, uh, was on the beat, and here he is. Five years after Neil Armstrong took one small step for man, a private U.S. company has taken one giant leap for mankind's future of space exploration. Shut up, Nora. CBS's Not your Mark job. Strassman reports on today's historic moon landing. Tonight, the odyssey of Odysseus has ended on the moon, the first American-made spacecraft kicking up lunar dust in more than a half century. As our equipment is on the surface of the moon. Jubilant. Mission Control of Intuitive Machines in Houston, the first commercial moon landing ever. The final descent from 18 miles above the lunar surface, a continuous engine burn for 10 minutes. By touchdown, Odysseus had slowed to two miles per hour. This is the assembly room. Intuitive co-founder Steve Altima showed us the historic Moonlander up close last year in Houston. His company envisions a $100 billion lunar market. We're delivering scientific payloads, engineering demonstration payloads, but not the humans themselves. And you believe the moon is the next economic frontier? The moon is certainly that next step for space exploration. Odysseus landed near the lunar south pole, carrying less than 300 pounds of cargo including six instruments for NASA, an intuitive customer. 
The space agency hopes to have astronauts moonwalking there by the end of the decade. Some craters there never see light, so cold they may contain ice, and water is critical to long-term space exploration. NASA plans to basically hire these companies to send payloads to the moon like, like you'd call an Uber or a Lyft. But these companies have to make it work first, and that's what we're seeing today. Not since the end of the Apollo era has an American lander parked itself on the surface of the moon. This mission will last roughly a week until lunar night freezes the solar batteries. Quite an achievement, Nora. Yeah, really, really exciting. Mark Strassman, thank you so much. Is he All right, okay? Eddie. At the uh, beginning there, he says the Odyssey of Odysseus kicking up dust on the lunar surface, I think, is as close as he ventures yeah. towards an attempt to get off a good one. Did Mark Strassman, senior national news correspondent for CBS News, get off a good one? No. Ooh, sorry, no. Mark. Sorry, Mark. Try again next time. <laughs> Tough sledding here. Uh, I couldn't talk at the end there either. Uh, this is during a live shot, so we don't have to harp on it, but he uh, marble-mouthed it there at the end. <laughs> I don't know what's going on yeah, with him. Maybe something is happening with uh, Mark. But This has been America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? How's his marriage? Can you can you do some investigative <laughs> journalism of your own down there in Atlanta? And yes, look into what's going on with Strasser and his old lady? I'll get to the bottom of that. You know, I was listening to the, uh, the morning press about, uh, you know, this particular topic. I think it was from last week. Um, and how you know the U.S. spends uh, relatively, you know, little uh, towards this uh, effort to space. So we should uh, uh, contextually here, uh, relatively little is still they spent 120 odd million dollars right. uh, on this mission now, and, and it it makes me a little crazy to hear people talk about how this is a great success for private spaceflight, given that the entirety of the mission cost now it's not entirely clear because this is a private company that doesn't reveal all of its financials but the suspicion is that it's less than 200 million dollars which means that in excess of 60 whatever percent of it was in fact funded by the US government was was just NASA money so like the idea that this is a great success for private space exploration is it's true but also like this is a big pile of money right. that was sent by by NASA you know the, the question I did have do you think it, 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 isn't it more appropriate that eventually this becomes an entirely private thing? Or do you think it should be housed under some public domain like NASA to where the, the people through the representatives have some say as far as what we're doing out there? I mean, my expressed and consistent preference is that this should be the domain of government. This, this should be the domain of of collective enterprise in a way that it used to be. I mean, we don't. We, maybe we don't spend ten percent of uh, an annual budget the way that we did uh, at the height of the space race. I think maybe it it might have peaked even a little bit higher than that. I'm not sure, but I for some reason ten percent is the number that's stuck in my head. I just double checked it, and it's four and a half percent or so during the mid '60s was the peak of NASA budget as a percentage of the total federal annual budget. But, like, we're at half of 1% right now in terms of NASA's budget right. uh, relative to larger U.S. budget. And that's just – it's just nothing. It's just it's just pocket change. But the, and it, 
what was driving that was the context there was, you know, there was this dick measuring contest between these two powers, right? To see like who can get there first and who can do whatever first to show their superiority. When you take that incentive structure away, like maybe the people just don't want to spend that much money or it's harder to defend. Like if some candidate came that was like more like, I don't want this guy being flagrant with the spending. He wants to spend X percent of the budget on this thing. This just whatever, this novelty. Uh, we're not going to really see any gains from this in like decades. So like, why are we spending all this money that, that could go here or there or elsewhere? Like, it's kind of hard to defend it when there isn't a larger... Because there's been precious little federal outlay over the course of the last century that has shown a greater return on the dollar than spending on uh, space exploration. I mean, uh, it tosses off important discoveries that then are folded into profitable enterprises uh, like they're nothing, right? Like it's just it's just R&D for the sake of R&D that then produces interesting and useful science for industry to then make use of and, and profit off of. Like I, I, I just – it is the easiest sell in – in government, a, and I don't know why we don't do more of it. But it's a pretty poor job at selling, right? I mean, the messaging hasn't been – there hasn't been that connection that you're making to that, to say, like, the return on investment with these deeps – or not deep, just a space exploration, like, we're getting it tenfold or whatever it is. Like, no one's making that argument. So I wonder if that argument was made, uh, if people would be more willing to spend more going forward. Yeah, I don't know. I certainly don't think we're in any position now for that argument to be made. Yeah, uh, there's there's not there's not a place for this in the in the culture war uh, context, certainly. But the good thing is that these these uh, stories are coming out from Strassman and others, where they're like, "Oh, this is going to happen by 26, and by the end of the decade, it's it's happening with that much uh, pushback from either side." People are like, at this pace, this seems to be like an acceptable pace to where people are not giving too much complain you know they're not complaining too much about this at this current level so maybe this is fine you know and if you push more sure. people are like oh, yeah, yeah. why are we doing this at all who cares let let elon figure it out i mean in part because i think i mean whatever we don't have to get into it but like if we could figure out a way to deploy a fucking giant solar array in space and harness that energy and somehow a get it back to earth and then also potentially block some meaningful percentage of the sun's rays for like if if we're actually in this climate catastrophe that we are uh, uh, supposed to be entering into uh, not to say that we're not but like there are a half a dozen interesting ideas about how to combat climate change literally by putting fucking uv catching blankets up in space and then harnessing that energy and it it has the dual effect of preventing warming rays from entering the Earth's atmosphere at the same time that you can then uh, uh, use that energy and not have to burn fossil fuels as a result of having uh, sourced it from elsewhere. I mean, whatever. There are. It, it seems to me there are an infinite number of ways that you could sell the space program at this point that don't involve a dick measuring contest with the Soviets. But, you know, it's just there's no, there's no apparent appetite for it. And yeah, you're probably right that as long as we continue to throw huge amounts of capital at these enormous companies and the egomaniacal crazy people at the heads of them uh, can then go ahead and, and spend their fortunes on it, I guess that's that's less offensive to the sensibilities. All right. All right that's closes up the WGAS news bag. Let's quickly plow through a couple of predictions. We've been, we've been promising you it for months. You have to do it. No. You have to do it so quickly. It's 10 o'clock. Oh, that's fine. 
Totally it, fine. Yeah, but you're tired. I'm tired. We're all tired. Quickly. <laughs> all right. Abe, yes. number one. I will stick with uh, politics here at the top. Mike Johnson will not be the Speaker of the House by the end of the year. The, the current Republican majority is is narrow. It yeah. is like one or two votes at the moment, which means that at any given moment, they don't actually have a majority because they simply don't have all of the people in Washington. Uh, we saw this. We saw the run into a, a similar problem or this exact problem when they tried to impeach Mayorkas the first time and they didn't have the votes to do it because they had three defections and Steve Scalise wasn't there that day and the Democrat that they thought was going to be stuck in the hospital showed up in his scrubs in an Uber and and voted uh, not to impeach. Uh, and they ended up impeaching him anyway and there, there will be a, a very brief trial in the Senate next week. The point being, the margin is tiny. It is as tiny as the margin can possibly be. And there exists still at any point an asshole like Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert in a, in a fit of fucking going out in flames peak that she's going to be doing here because she appears by all readings of, of her situation. She's not going to be reelected. She finished fifth or sixth in her district in a straw poll in of, of district, likely right? candidates. She was trying to shop for a district to go somewhere else. And- right. So they had redistricted her slightly to make it uh, a more Democratic-leaning district where she comes from. And so she was going to run, I think, in the fifth instead of the third. I might have those numbers backwards or just outright wrong. Uh, apologies if that's true. But she's no longer going to represent the initial district, and she's not polling well at all in her new district. So she's fucking toast. Uh, we won't have the Lauren Boebert show in Washington after this year. So she has no incentive not yes. to fucking throw bombs, right? right? Uh, in fact, the incentive points in the exact opposite direction. So uh, same with McCarthy. It only took one jerk to make the whole thing unravel. And in order to keep the government going, Mike Johnson is going to have to keep pissing off the same people, right? right? He's going to have to keep Kevin McCarthying over and over again for the next six months uh, just to keep the government open, uh, starting with like – Next week, I think, like March 1st. I mean, that's like, this Friday. Or the end of – right, this Friday there's another deadline that they're going to have to uh, come up with something that kicks it down the road for six weeks because presumably like just to have a state of the union and to have like security guards yeah, Which there is the following week, right? I mean the state of the union is like – Right, they're going to have – the government's going to have to be open for the state of the <laughs> union. Uh, so they're going to have to do something. But every time they do something that looks like governance, you run the risk of the crazies – uh, uh, throwing a bomb at the whole thing and saying, uh, you're just here to help Democrats, Mike Johnson. What's your fucking problem? You might as well be Hakeem Jeffries at this point, uh, which is the end of this uh, uh, prediction. Even though I fully believe that the House is going to turn over to the Democrats' control and Hakeem Jeffries will be the next Speaker of the House in 2025, my bold prediction is that Hakeem Jeffries will be the Speaker of the House before (laughs) 2025, that before the end of this calendar year, Hakeem – the Republicans will effectively just cede control of the House through uh, uh, infighting or just attrition because that's that's the other thing. Just by bad luck, 
right? An icicle <laughs> falls out of a pine tree. Uh, an owl. That's an right. owl fucking takes you somebody out. You be careful out. with those owls. You never, you never know, know with, those with owls. the owls. If it happens to be a Republican, yeah. right? Because these are a bunch of old fucks and they travel a lot, right? Yeah. There's uh, travel problems. And, and who knows what could happen? There's health issues. Uh, one of them could die. And that itself is enough to turn the balance of the uh, of the house over. So I that's hope my, one of them dies. That's that's dark. Uh, I don't hope anybody dies. I hope everybody lives forever. I hope I hope Donald Trump dies. I hope Joe Biden dies. And I hope uh, like <laughs> what do you say? Three Republican Congress people. I wasn't paying attention. These Republican these margins. I hope they die. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so that's the what's your response? A bold prediction number one is that Hakeem Jeffries will be the Speaker of the House by the end of the I, year. I don't think that there's any chance of that happening. Uh, in your imagination, are you saying that this would happen during the lame duck session after the the outcome is determined or before? I think that's I think that's most likely, okay. but I'm not ruling out that this could happen beforehand. <laughs> if it because beforehand, it's going to guarantee that they're going to. There's going to be a, a, a changeover. I mean, it's already trending kind of in that direction because the margins are so thin. But like, so here's what could happen, and the reason that it's plausible and not not completely crazy is that it, because it only takes the one. Mike Johnson could just up and leave, right? And that's all it would take. Even though if, God told them that this is his uh, spot. Kevin McCarthy up and left, right? He uh, quit in the middle of his term, yeah. and they had to have a special election to fill it. Like, if you're the Speaker of the House and you get thrown out on your own petard by your own party, you're going to come back to work the next week and just, keep, it, yeah. and just keep voting? You can't yeah. do that. You can't stick around. The, the, the only thing is, I, I think the, the experience of the clown show that they had is going to deter enough of them because, like, all right, we we got rid of McCarthy. We what, is Bobert's, this, what is Bobert's reason not that's to throw true, a fit? But they, one person to bring it about the floor, and I guess, are you saying, like, it would be Bobert and all the Dems? Like, because you would still need some Republicans to put them over the top, even, at, you know, like three or four, but, like, you need some um, besides Bobert. But what are you getting in return for the chaos that would ensue? So you would get rid of this guy. You would go through a bunch of different rounds, like and go through the same people, Jim Jordan. Total and, and abdication like. of responsibility. Their favorite thing is right. to be able to say, we wash our hands of this. This is right. their preference anyway. So but, the incentives all point for the Republicans to cede control. But if you do that, you're going to go through just a bad news cycle after bad news cycle. You're going to end up with somebody, right? And then... The, the math is the math. The reason why they, they can't get a deal that's favorable to the craziest part, they don't have the votes for that, right? So you have to kind of compromise. And so the same conditions remain. So it's like, why would you go through more of, of this headache during an election cycle? Because it's not a headache if you're not in charge anymore. Right. right. You can just you can just blame the other people, which right. is why that's what the that's what it will be, is that they don't actually have because they can't even decide to come together enough to keep the lights on that it is it is detrimental to their standing with their own constituency that the lights stay on, that it is it is preferable politically for them to not be in charge. And that's right. why because all the it's, it's a crazy prediction. Grant, granted, it'd be the first time in. In American history, that anything like this has happened, I believe. Uh, but I, it would I think have it's to, right. I mean, it would have I, to. <laughs> the reason that I I decided that there's at least a 15 percent chance that this happens, right? Because yeah. because of the 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 crazy, you you throw the fucking turd in the punch bowl and you just don't know what the fuck is going to yeah. happen. Like, happens, yeah. 
even if it's only 10 or 15%, that's a huge uh, percent for something yeah. that's like that fucking crazy. So I have to make the prediction. Your prediction is uh, much more entertaining, but I'm going to go with the boring. Nothing is going to change at the speakership level this year. All right. Uh, le- a more boring version of this is that I believe the currently expected outcome in the House and the Senate will be what we will get, which is that the Democrats will pick up a substantial handful of seats in uh, the House of Representatives and take control uh, maybe in the 225 range, uh, which is not a – by no means is that like a – it's still a very slim majority, but it is a a more substantial majority than currently exists. 225 to 230 maybe is what we're looking at. And then the Senate is going to switch to the Republicans simply because the map is extremely favorable for the Republicans this time. Right. Uh, And it seems like the – you can, I mean, you could do a lot more on the Republican side because, I mean, on the Senate side because you have the confirmations, the all the different hearings, all the. I think it seems like the Senate Republicans could make do with, because uh, if it does switch over, which is trending that way, it's not going to be by much. It'll be like it's fifty one forty nine now. It could go the other way. That that same margin or maybe like fifty two forty eight, but it won't be sixty forty, right? So it's going to be like a, it's going to just shift the other way slightly. Um, and so you, I wonder if like they'll do more work there, constructive work, than what the House has done, which has been this clown show. Yeah. I mean, I uh, that is what is somewhat disturbing here is that the Senate Republicans appear to be the slightly more sane and reasonable bunch of Republicans, despite the fact that among their loudest party members are J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley and Ted right. Cruz. Like it's not exactly a murderer's row of reasonable men over there. And and I saw a story in the Times today. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but apparently like high-level negotiations between McConnell's people and Trump's people in securing the McConnell endorsement, which it, it's framed from Maggie Haberman and Jonathan Swan in these like these big like epic political – like I read the first couple of paragraphs and it's like, you know, the giant power brokers in Washington trying to make uh, – in, in dark rooms trying to get this guy to say this nice thing about this other guy. It's like, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. This is Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Right. Like, this doesn't yeah, – first of all, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like what, what Republican at this point is going to – like I know that he has some sway with the normie Republicans, right? Because of the the extent to which he has been uh, a stalwart uh, for the party for many years, right? And he's he's been a very successful politician for the Republicans. But how meaningful is a Mitch McConnell endorsement at right. this point, given everything that he has said about well, Donald Trump through the also, years? Also, I didn't read the article, but like, what are they negotiating? I mean, like, is McConnell expecting some concessions from the Trump camp? And why would Trump give in to those concessions? I mean, it's inevitable that he'll be the party nominee. McConnell's not going to say vote for the other guy, right? So eventually— right. My, So this is an easy prediction for me. Mitch McConnell will not endorse Donald Trump for—he will not do an outright endorsement of Joe Biden, certainly, but he simply will oh, not— He will he, 100 percent endorse Donald Trump. Are you kidding me? What are, are you we writing this about? down or you guess you will when you edit? He will not make— an out-and-out endorsement of Trump. If, if I'm uh, uh give advice to the Trump camp, don't offer this guy anything. This turtle, just just wait him out. It's in that, once all of the power goes towards Trump, you know, by the summer or whatever when they do the convention. What is McConnell going to do? It's going to his absence is going to be definitely like, hey, what is this guy doing? Not playing ball? He frozen again, and he'll yeah. 
begrudgingly. He will, he will cite he will him. cite health problems, and he will he will simply not appear before the media. <laughs> I have I have begrudgingly come to have this very small. I, I'm nursing this tiny little uh, uh, a green shoot of respect for Mitch McConnell since since January of 21. Uh, that he tried to stomp to death when he refused to vote to convict in the in the Senate, yeah. uh, but it, it's still alive. There's this little green shoot coming up from the, the the fallow ground, and I want to nurse it back to health. And it will it will grow in not a beautiful flower someday. Like it's it's too late for that, but it will be a proud green blade of grass by the end of the year because McConnell will not have endorsed Donald Trump. Let Abe do a prediction, and and hey, it's ten fifteen. Abe, what do you got? Any any predictions you want to make? You just want to shit on mine. Well, all no, no. Night I, long. Think, I, I think McConnell's always been a team player. He'll fall in line behind Trump. There's no this fantasy of yours is not going to come to fruition. <laughs> I do think my 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 prediction is going to be there's not going to be a split, a divided government. Like the the winds of November are going to take it one way or the other. It's not going to be. I understand that the map or the senatorial map shows that it's favorable to the Republicans. But if Biden and the House wins, the Senate will stay blue. If Trump wins, it's going to also mean that this, the House and the Senate is going to go red. I don't see that. I disagree. I disagree because I think we have we have seen enough split ticket voting over the past five national elections or whatever the number is since 2016. Right. That that you can you can actually say, I mean not to say that there are people who consider themselves nonpartisan in any meaningful way uh, they do it's just that the there is so much antipathy for the people at the very top of the ticket that that splitting your vote is not as unthinkable as it once was and you can look at the very small red wave of 2022 that happened as proof of that, despite Biden's unpopularity, you can look at the fact that he didn't exactly ride to power. He didn't, he didn't come in in 2020 on the back of some gigantic blue wave. Right. right? We got the, we got that result in 2020. I don't know why we would get a different one in 2024. The thing is, in 2016, when it was all red and they were able to pass tax cuts and do certain things on the Republican side, you got something done. And then when the 2018 midterms happened, when the House went the other way, the Republicans couldn't get anything done those last two years. Same story. In 2020, it went blue. They did a bunch of things, especially in that 2022 year with all the, all the laws that they passed. Once you had the divided government, nothing happened. Chaos happened. The feedback is going to be this split ticketing thing Maybe in a past era meant like you're you're encouraging compromise. There's no compromise to be had. Compromise is a dirty word, right? So like if you want anything to be done, if you have the power on the red side, make it all red. If you have the the votes on the blue side, make it all blue. Because what a divided government, you're gonna have a chaotic government. You're not gonna get anything done. I just I think that it's difficult to talk about it in terms of that sort of narrative because of the realities on the ground in the individual districts. Also, right? Like there's just there's only so many. Places that can turn from red to blue or blue to red. Uh, New York appears to like they're going to give back three or four seats themselves, right? Yeah, uh, just, because yeah, of redistricting. Great. So, so that could that could tell the whole story all by itself. Anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll get into uh, more specific electoral predictions as we go forward. Uh, I do want to get on the record, though, uh, the major one, which is that. As you said in 2020, I believe that Donald Trump has no path to victory. Yes, I'm. 
I'm going to take a page out of Abe's book and say that Donald Trump has no path to victory. He is an, a complete inevitability, barring a God intervention is here. Is it because you can't elect dead people to be president? Right. Uh, barring uh, some strange divine intervention, Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. Uh, it will not be Nikki Haley. But there is simply no rational path. I know that the margins are small in all of the swing states, and like it seems, it feels super close. And I think it is. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is yeah. super fucking close. But there is there is no scenario in which Donald Trump is reelected in 2024. I, I like when Abe says it better. Do not it, see feels, it. it feels better when Abe says it. When you say it, it reminds me of when you said it in 2016, yeah. and you were really wrong. Will uh, one last prediction? Will Jimmy Carter cast a, a vote in this year's election? Like, will be there for the. Or, or can You're not going to trick me into Ooh. into making the D- Jimmy Carter death prediction that you are too cowardly to make for the fourth year running or whatever uh, it's it is. Poor taste for me to continue to do it. I need to pass it off. <laughs> it's in poor taste for you, but not not for me, right? Uh, Abe is a man of honor. Jimmy Carter is absolutely going to cast uh, a vote in the 2024 election. <laughs> He'll, w- w- when does early voting I open know. in Georgia? <laughs> he's probably got it in the envelope already. Oh. He's just he's gonna have his grandson uh, put the stamp on it when the time comes, I, although, even if he's already gone. If you get to the earliest window to mail it in, if I'm Jimmy Carter, I mean, you're playing with house money. I, I would tell my family and, and the Secret Service, I'm gonna vote in person. Like I got plenty of time. <laughs> my, my, that's right. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then Trump Trump shows up to the polling place with an EMT to actually get his pulse, just to make sure that he's not actually dead. Uh, that being said, Trump has uh, no path to victory. I believe I I don't see how he can possibly, uh, for all of the reasons that we said in our earlier discussion about independence not being winnable to him. Like I just I I do not see any scenario in which he can muster. 45% of the independent vote. Right. Like I, it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, based on everything that we saw in the aftermath of 2020. It just It's just completely inconceivable. Right. It doesn't mean that Joe Biden is a good candidate. It doesn't mean that he's a great president or that uh, anything along those lines, but there's just no way right. that it can be Trump. Joe Biden will win the presidency with uh, a sub, with a, with a plurality of votes, but it will be enough right. uh, uh if if only just he will not get a majority i i i'm holding on to my previewed prediction about this being the smallest plurality to elect a president in modern history that it would be below bill clinton's 1992 vote percentage right. of whatever we said it was 43% or something uh because I want to see what happens with uh, Kennedy, wh- how he ends up on on ballots, and whether or not uh, no labels comes out with uh, somebody that I think could vie for some excessive percentage of the vote. So I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah. I mean, it has to be a I significant do, I, chunk. I mean, like 92 in, in the 92 race. So I don't think it has to be. Uh, if you total up the numbers from 2016, you're looking at – uh, six or seven percent of the vote went for one of the uh, non-two like major Stein parties. And like. Right, the Libertarians and Jill Stein and everybody else. We already have confirmed Cornell West will be on some number of ballots, and uh, uh, RFK Jr. is going to be on 
some number of ballots. We don't know what shape that's going to take for Kennedy especially. Uh, we don't know who the, the Green Party nominee is going to be, and we don't know who the Libertarian nominee is going to be. If Kennedy is on 50 state ballots as a Libertarian, uh, and he's been making noises in the direction of Libertarians lately, if you go look at uh, uh, public statements that he's been making, yeah. uh, they are they are pretty uniformly libertarian friendly. I think he's he's pretty clearly flirting with them yeah. and wants to be the libertarian nominee. That could be enough to to get non-two-party candidates in excess of 10% of the vote yeah. all by itself without with and that's without a no labels person coming into the fold here. If if Kennedy ran as a libertarian, I would predict Trump would be under 40%. I think it would eat up a lot. I don't think that's going to – I don't think these third party whatever are going to do much. But like if he ran as a libertarian at 50 states wide, like it's going to take a lot from Trump. Right. Again, I, I so I'm, I'm, I'm reserving the right to expand upon this prediction uh, moving forward. But for now, I'm saying – uh, Biden sub fifty percent and the winner because uh, I just I see no other possibility here and uh, on a longer term uh, Kamala Harris is going to be the next president of the United not only States that, because twenty fifth amendment will be invoked Biden will step right. down Kamala will, he's not going to survive Biden, the second term but they they will allow Biden the dignity to twenty fifth amendment himself yeah. I think yeah. this won't be this won't be a, an in house coup no. this will be a <laughs> The Biden himself will have twenty fifth amendmented yeah. uh, his own ass, but yeah, that's that's also coming, and and with it with it will be I'm going to re up my Hunter Biden pardon. There's no way that this motherfucker leaves office without pardoning Hunter. It's impossible. <laughs> I don't like it's it's too. There's there's just no way. It would be like it would be like me leaving office as president and not pardoning you. Right. Like what are, what are we doing here? Of course, Abe is it getting would, a pardon. It would, further, it would stay in the presidency if he did that. He's not going to do that. The Abe equivalent of the Biden, the the Hunter video where he's like on a slide naked with his nuts out, and he's like, is the video of Abe in a on a hotel room eating floor a right. eating a eating a sub sandwich, <laughs> and also the photo of him passed out in the trunk at the at, at in Jacksonville. Those are the. <laughs> Those are what's on the Abe laptop. Uh, that's Russian disinformation. Uh. All right. Uh, that's enough politics predictions. I have one pop culture prediction for the All year, right. which is that uh, – and, and this got thrown into a little bit of a tizzy because of the the Kansas City shooting that happened. But I, I was afraid that this might uh, uh, fuck with it. But then I realized these are very self-involved people who don't care about such things, so it's totally fine. Taylor Swift will execute – the ultimate heel turn this year on Travis Kelsey. And we are going to see the next Taylor era is is like bad Taylor. It's like mean, evil witch sort of Taylor. Like th- this will be her bad Taylor. That's, that's the only way that I can explain it. And she will heel turn on Travis, the sweet, dumb little puppy that uh, that middle America loves so goddamn much. She's going to execute a vicious heel turn on Travis Kelsey and go full villain like uh, some sort of infi- uh, like public uh, infidelity kind of thing like what or just just no no just like uh fuck this dummy uh he sucks <laughs> and i'm great fuck this dummy what this she's is... been doing this whole time what do you mean it's, it's that's right it's time for wicked era taylor and that is my that is my my prediction i have no insider info i have no uh, knowledge of what her uh, larger marketing brand identity plans are. Uh, I just know that they exist, and I think this makes sense. I think a heel turn into villain mode 
uh, makes a great deal of sense for Taylor Swift over the uh, coming months. Okay. It's coming. I, I would like to see that. That'd be amusing. Where some it, people, some people are saying uh, they're going to fucking tie the knot, right? And they're going right. to start popping out babies and their future American power couple. Nope, don't see it. She is she is uh, fully committed to the the girl power. Uh, uh, independent woman thing. It's time for wicked era. After Taylor. that proved remarkably successful to the point where she's a billionaire, she's gonna say, "Ah, oh, enough of that. Let me try this other thing that is gonna backfire." How long can you push the trad wife thing into profitability? You've got to reinvent yourself over What's and over trad again. Trad wife, traditional, traditional wife. like okay. uh, there's this. You don't, uh, the fact that you have to, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Uh, and you don't want to know. You don't want okay. to know about trad discourse. Continue on, L- then. Lori's Let's Twitter. get on with it. L- Lori's internet consumption is so much different than uh, than yours or mine. Yeah. There, we, you would think we don't even know each other <laughs> if it was just the internet. Like, we have opposite yeah. internets. <laughs> All right, Abe, I've made some ridiculous and bold predictions. Have you got anything you want to add to the pile here? Um, No. No. Fair enough. We are. Nope. Jimmy Carter lives. <laughs> we are. At the end of February, we have made predictions about 2024. These are guaranteed to be precisely one-sixth more accurate oh. than our previous years Th- of there predictions. Is, there is one. I, I anticipate there's going to be some sort of uh, a terror strike right before the Summer Olympics in Paris. Not during, but before. Oh, yeah. The Paris Olympics is a, a – what do you call it? Like a – Really bad idea. Like you're, they don't do that. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me of a prediction that I wanted to make, which is that uh, the. Do you know where the Democratic uh, National Committee convention is this year? Chicago, Milwaukee. Lori's right. It's in Chicago. Fuck yeah! I'm good at geography guessing. Abe, what happened the oh, last yeah, time there was, was a pretty chaotic. Uh, convention did everybody die no there was like a big we, conversation see, in the we will see something like a repeat of the 1968 convention uh this year in chicago uh during the democratic uh the dnc and it will be ugly there will be uh violence and protests and fighting on the streets because the uh israel conflict will not have wrapped itself up at that point uh, there are people who are extremely angry with the biden administration with with genocide joe for his failure to intervene as they deem uh, he should be doing. And we will see that that will be the impetus for uh, violent protests in Chicago. Yeah, I year. don't see that happening. I mean, there'll, there'll be some sort of demonstration, but like, I mean, Vietnam was like a much bigger thing than Israel Hamas is to the people here in America. Yes, but we also have a highly motivated uh, batch of crazies, uh, and you only need. You only really need a few dozen people to cause a great big scene that's on the true, streets in a I, major you know U.S. What? city. Uh, I did say I didn't have any predictions other than the, the terrorist terror strike. The other prediction I have is that this will be like a relatively boring like election campaign, despite everybody's like freaking out about things spiraling out of control. We're just desensitized yeah. because basically it's like the same. I think it is already. I think it. I think it's already proven to be uh, fairly boring, right? right? We, instead of getting the big Trump showdown, we're getting a, a march to inevitability. Instead of getting a serious challenge to Joe Biden in a uh, in a 1980 kind of way, the way that Ken- Kennedy challenged uh, Jimmy Carter, we haven't seen anything uh, approaching right. that at this point. Uh, so yeah, I think that the. The basics of everything are are fully in place. We likely won't see an abdication by either of the the top two dudes, which would certainly be not boring, certainly be entertaining. 
but I'm not, I'm, I, I didn't want to make a prediction about like a awful domestic violence or a domestic terrorist type event, but it feels like we're due like it, it really, like in a very bad we way. We just had one two years ago. Which are you referring to? The, the Capitol. Oh, January 6th? No, no, something, something more well, you know, than like that. Something, something browner. You like mean? In- no, something actually like uh, not one idiot former Air Force lady getting shot right. in the face because she's trying to break down a barrier. But, like something very but you bad. Know, like, in 2020, you know, you had the the, the bat, uh, you had the pandemic, and then also like the George Floyd, and there was all of these different incidents throughout that summer. Just like chaos here, burning, you know, Kenosha. This there's all this stuff happening. Um, and then going into the election with all of the mail-in stuff and how long it took to count, it seemed like this year, like I mean, there's not going to be any sort of George Floyd thing. Uh, there's not going to be any sort of dem- – like, I think this would be like, oh, everybody's kind of like just want to be done with this year, and they'll be done with it, and they'll move on. No, it'll be the Paris Olympics. It'll be a disaster. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think that we can rule out – it's just that as I as I said earlier in the year on a non-predictions prediction show, I don't know how you rule out the possibility that whatever the result in November is that there isn't violence in the streets. Like you say there's there's a lack of interest right now coupled with a great deal of anxiety. I think that's right. And I don't know what that means when you prick that when you prick that particular anxiety bubble. Right. Like it's 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 a weird thing. Like we don't have a lot of examples of uh, huge stakes like this that that people are sort of resigned to. Right. Like and what what does the what is the reaction to that if Trump somehow is is elected and at the end of the year? And what if 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 Trump loses, but he only he loses and Biden only gets 45 percent of the popular vote or even if it is 47, 48 percent of the popular vote. Uh, but but Trump ultimately loses. I just his entire thing is always I don't lose. I can only be cheated. Right. right? How how does he react to that with anything approaching grace and reality He's not. that doesn't he, inspire yeah. violence in the streets? He's not. But basically he didn't have any. He's not in a position to do anything about it like he did last time. So he'll still do the same thing, but it's not going to amount to anything. I hope so. I would, I, would, I would not be surprised at all to see political violence in the streets in a way that we haven't seen in our lifetimes uh, before the year is out. But I, I won't make that an official prediction because that feels fucking gross. Uh, all right. I've rolled the dice. It's now time to play the Billboard Hot 100 game. Uh, we should explain it uh, the way this works. I don't do a great job of Why always don't you explaining just it. Take a part from a different episode and insert it. I do. Sometimes I play the theme song, but the theme song itself is sort of like, what That's the bad. fuck? I'm not listening. Yeah, the theme song is annoying. I need to redo it. Uh, uh, but that, it's like a multiple, it's like two hour project. And like, I don't have time for that okay. now. Okay. Uh, anyway, the way this works is we are trying to prove the degradation of the culture by looking at the Billboard Hot 100 chart. We will roll the dice to choose a song on this week's Billboard Hot 100 and then compare it to the song in that same chart position for the same week of a randomly selected year uh, between 1983 and July of 2012 because uh, that was when uh, the music died in the, in the formulation of our, our elders. They, they talk about the day the music died. Our version of that is uh, it's when LMFAO last appeared on the Billboard Hot 100. 
It was the end of the run for Party Rock Anthem and arguably the end of the run for anything remotely memorable in the world of pop music. A long, long time ago. Sorry for Party Rock. I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. Hey, don't make you lose your mind. We just want to see you. Shake that. Shake that. The day. The music. Died and they were singing. Every day I'm shuffling. Roll the shady to the lady, but the lady was dry. Roll the shady to the lady, but the lady was dry. Then good old boys were drinking whiskey and wine, singing. We came to party rock. Everybody is on. Shots, 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 shots. And also conveniently, it marks about the time that we started uh, officially becoming it's like around old. when we turned 30, but like totally irrelevant. Yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, <laughs> getting old. I've rolled the dice. We're going to uh, position number 89 on the Billboard Hot 100 deep. Wow. On I the like Hot it. 100 chart. I have a good feeling about it. And we're going to year number 11 on our list. Okay, now I have a less good feeling about it. Which puts us in 1993. This is prime alternative rock beginning to take over the charts, but also still plenty of hair metal and... Uh, and, and like bad. And, like, and bad pop like music. Michael Bolton. Yeah. All right, Billboard Hot 100 for this week. Uh, number one is still uh, this Jack Harlow character. Uh, I, I swear I could not tell you. Oh, I uh, forgot to send you guys something that was on my Facebook. I'll send it right now. Uh, debuting in the top ten but not eking out Jack Harlow as uh, uh, Beyonce's new country song, Texas Hold'em, at number two. And a song off of Kanye's latest record called Carnival which I've listened to a very brief amount of the new Kanye record and found it underwhelming. Uh, but I'm a bad uh, judge of that because I've never really liked Kanye with a couple, like maybe a couple of songs I thought were fun, but that was about it. Scrolling and scrolling all the way to the end of the Billboard Hot 100. It's this these Dan and Shay people. Heartbreak on the map. Oh yeah, funny, uh, Lori should mention this. Careful listeners of the show will remember we've discussed uh, uh, Dan and Shay before. They're the uh, broy country duo who had that terrible song that uh, we didn't like very much. I have no memory of the song itself. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you at all what it sounds like. Uh, posted to the neighborhood Facebook group, uh, the Dan and Shay, the, sorry, the Dan plus Shay Heartbreak on the Map tour oh, it, God. is scheduled to begin Friday at 7 p.m. with the doors opening at 6 p.m. People who are not attending the performance are urged to stay off Emmett Street between University Avenue and Barracks Road between 5 and 8 p.m. It's a nice little public service announcement that the neighborhood lady put in the in the in the Facebook group. To which I replied, people who are attending are urged to reconsider their conception of aesthetics from the ground up. (laughs) Uh, Fucking got (laughs) them. Number 89 on this week's uh, Billboard Hot 100. 
Oh, man. We just missed uh, Drake at 88 and Luke Combs oh. at 90. But it was a different uh, Luke Combs song. This is Yeah Glow by Glorilla. All right. Sounds promising. This is uh, the debut at number 89, first week on the chart. Okay. I feel like I've heard Glorilla before, but I can't, I certainly don't know any of their songs, but I've heard that before. Although I will say, uh, incorporating your name into your hit single is a sure sign that it's uh, not going to be great. And her, her name is Glorilla, and it's called Yeah Glow. Also, it reminds me that uh, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers have a song uh, in which one of the lyrics yeah. is Gorilla Cuntilla. Gorilla Cuntilla. Just, just spectacular work by Anthony. whatever the chorus sucks sorry glorilla also uh, another sub three minute song this one oh, yeah. clocks in at two and a half minutes this is a, a a trend the three minute four minute the pop song the four minute pop song is a dying thing right now because all of these TikTok. songs are just i mean the perfect example was last week where you know everything about the song from having heard 30 seconds of it because it's all made for tiktok right right all of these things are not being made for the four-minute format of uh, of get three songs in and then go to commercials on the radio. It's it's just fucking TikToks. So I the and only streaming look- also. It almost seems like you, it's like you don't want to overstay your welcome if you have like some bubblegum earwormy kind of thing. You don't want to be like, oh, I'm tired of this. So it's like get in, get out. People remember. You can circle back. Yeah. Uh, Abe, what are your thoughts on uh, Miss Glorilla here? I mean, I want to hear what the other song is from 1993, but it's not the worst thing. I mean, we've heard of some no, bad it's songs. No, not, it's not nearly that as was fine. deeply offensive as some of the other things we've had to listen to. Also, I feel like we've had a run of uh, bad country here, uh, including yeah. the, the Dan plus Shay and, the, and that fucking Jelly Roll character from last week. <laughs> uh, this was less offensive than that, certainly. It wasn't just Jelly Roll. It was that other person that was also bad. Yeah, it was both of them. Now looking at the Billboard Hot 100 chart for the uh, this week in February 1993, the number one song on the list was Whitney Houston's immortal wow. classic, I Will Always Love You. It had been at number one. 16 uh, weeks, look at that. 16 weeks on the chart uh, and, and was repeating here at number one. I imagine it stayed on the chart for some time after that. We have in the top 10, Duran Duran and more Whitney Houston. We have Dr. Dre. We have Prince, Naughty by Nature, Bon Jovi in the top 20, Boys to Men, and Vogue. Kenny, Kenny G, G, top 20. Kenny G. 
paper See, boy. See, this is what I was Wait, worried about. There was a real paper boy, not wow. just the not oh. just the Atlanta character. You have to go back and listen to Paper Boy at some point. Spin Doctors in the top forty. Mary J. Blige, more Whitney Houston, Peter Gabriel. Scrolling and scrolling. Lots of classics here. Genesis, Elton John, Madonna, Gloria Estefan, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Uh-oh. Uh, what number are we going to? We're into 82? the 70s and we're headed to 89. 89. 89. Celine Dion. All right. In the 80s now. In Excess, Mary J. Blige, Alpha Team, Paul McCartney, Sunscream, it's called Silk, After Seven, Mick Jagger at 88. And number 89 is <laughs> Debbie Gibson with Losing Myself. Okay. Uh. I don't like it. Myself over to you, body, mind, and soul. It might seem crazy, and though I'm in love with my head, mm-hmm. got no direction in my world. Debbie Gibson trying to be Sucks. mature and grown up. Yeah, she should have had teeny popper in the 80s, right? Well, she was like yep. somewhat known you back know then. I couldn't fight a baby even if I want to. I'm losing myself over you. I'm going to skip to the, uh, presumably the, the big finish here. I uh, I will say, in defense of the 1993 song from Debbie Gibson, structurally speaking, it's to my preference. We have a four-minute pop song. It it has a chorus. It builds to something. There's a big bridgey thing that happens, and then the the big three quarters of the way through, it's like this is the big emotional moment of the song, and then we uh, do the chorus again, and then we're out. I prefer that four-minute pop song style to the two minutes and we're done after repeating the same fucking 16 bars over and over again. If I had, if I were, if I were driving down the road and I'm on radio station a and glow Rilla is on and I flip to radio station B and Debbie Gibson is on. All right. I'm mostly probably just going to see what's going on NPR and see if they can piss me off. I will just uh, flip over to find out how I've been a bad person to minoritized communities uh, recently. uh, And NPR will tell me that. I don't know that I would go back to Glorilla. But given the choice, I must listen to only more Glorilla or more Debbie Gibson. 
I think I want to engage with Glorilla, and that especially it's shorter. It's shorter. You don't have to listen It'll to it as long. Over sooner, and I can get my old man underpants in a wad about her violent and misogynistic lyrics, and uh, what's wrong with the Utes these days? Give me more Glorilla instead of Debbie Gibson. I uh, I will second that. I'm going to go with Glorilla. Get in, get out. I don't have to think about this. The Debbie Gibson song, very uninspired track. I mean, she had a couple of good hits in the 80s, from what I remember. I don't know what that was. For the record, Abe wants to get in and get out of Glorilla. <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to... No, I said it wrong. Don't go to those stupid social places where the, the bad people are. Go to brainiron.substack.com instead where you can become a subscriber and get the morning press as soon as it is done. Uh, we'll have a, a an AM morning press tomorrow because it's like uh, 90% written and just needs to be recorded at this point. So you're going to get a morning press that uh, is heavy on Monday news, but it will come early on Tuesday. So, you know, that's good, right? That's better that way. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig, tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Uh, real quick, Abe, in our bogus future that I did not get to today because uh, it's late now, uh, the uh, vending machines at some fucking college in Canada, uh, there an error message popped up. Now, what the fuck are you talking about? An error message popped up on the this? on the vending machine. What What... What bogus future is there that there's a screen with a, a, a Windows error message that pops up? But uh, it's just the world we live in now. There's software and fucking everything. It said uh, something to the effect of uh, some series of letters and numbers dot facial recognition dot exe has stopped working. Uh, nice. <laughs> and then OK or cancel. And so apparently uh, running in the background of this uh, M&M's vending machine uh, was a program that was uh, doing some amount of facial recognition. And it freaked out the local collegiate population. Oh. This despite the fact that they walk around they stare in their, their pockets all the time. With, all the time with this thing that tracks everything about their known reality and all of the things that they don't know about their reality and builds a profile of them and sends it back to multinational evil corporations. Uh, and uh, 95% of them, no doubt, have TikTok where God only knows what's going on with that stuff. Uh, but this freaked everybody out. And the college is having these uh, half a dozen or a dozen vending machines removed from campus because of this facial oh, recognition thing. Oh, they scared thing. them. They have to get them out, those bad, scary <laughs> robots. That, by the way, what the robot is doing in this case, apparently, all it does is it logs that it is a face so that it turns on whatever internals need to be turned on uh, uh, for the vending to happen, right? So is it's not all? running. It right, it's not, it's not, it's not have like a motion detection if thing? a fucking squirrel or a dog runs by you don't need to make sure that the peanut m&ms are you ready you need to make sure that the squirrels and dogs aren't eating the things that they're allergic to That's with right. their dollars and their credit cards anyway that it logs sliding in don't ask questions the robots know what they're doing it logs the face and it logs a guess as to the gender like like very basic demographic information and so that they can do like market research, but it uh, it 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 is uh, allegedly, according to the the company, uh, completely anonymized. And the reason that I believe, the reason that I believe uh, that the company has it completely anonymized, is because of my old complaint about 
for all of the data that we're giving up, we never see any of the fun returns. Like right. all of all of the best case and worst case scenarios never seem to come to fruition in terms of this stuff. And it's usually just like, yeah, we got all this data, but like it just kind of sits in a pile here and we don't really know what to do with it. Right. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so like my guess is like that's what's going on with the m&m vending machine data as well and also uh, if you're carrying around a fucking supercomputer in your pocket that does all of this facial recognition and tracking uh you don't have a lot of room to talk so calm down college but students in their defense i mean like everybody knows the capabilities of the 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 smartphone no one no, knows they don't. that these no are, they don't they don't like, know. okay the difference between a stationary closed circuit thing and a peeping tom service close like oh it's still in the public but it's just kind of following like you you would be unsettled by the second thing but if it's a stationary it's right there i can move around it I can navigate around it. I can live with it. No. This one is like... If no, it's, it's like it, being upset that there's a security camera pointed at you at the vending machine. Right, but, the, this isn't this, but this is not telling you that that's what's happening. I mean, like, it's not telling you that this is like... They're not saying there's a security camera the, either. You, you don't notice all the security it. You cameras. You can visually see it. They're no, the, you the, can, disclosing. but you don't because you're too much looking at your phone because you're on TikTok. Like, name the, no one should worry about any of this. Name the everyday item that you interact with on a on a regular basis that you would be most unsettled by a pop-up suddenly popping up and saying facial recognition.exe failed to properly load. It's, it's like, well, my alarm clock, that yeah. would be <laughs> that would be distressing if I looked over and it said facial recognition.exe uh, failed to load. Uh, I don't know what else. Nothing. I hope to take it. Do it. Do it all for me. No, it's bad. We don't, it's not. We don't need it. It's a. It's another example of technology uh, replacing something that was working just fine that doesn't actually help anybody, and it's just a. You've not been doing vending machines. They need to step up their game. Obviously, no. The stupid uh, stainless steel circles where you put the M and M's. Yeah, but when it, was the last time you got stuff from a vending it's machine? It's just a, a glass. And it doesn't have any fucking technology. You just put the quarters and then you put the buttons and but here it comes. But how many times it's have fine. you been looking at the options and not really known what you want? What if the vending machine was like, "Got you, buddy. Here would, you go." I would be. Uh, I would change my tune if it if it provided me that See? service because I get the same thing That's over and over again. That's what they're on the so. way to. I walk up to it, like, hey, buddy, the same bullshit, and then it'll just drop, uh, yep, and then I can just go on my day. <laughs> I'd be in favor of that. They're just going to give you the most, the high, the highest ticket item that is the most profit for them. It won't have anything to do with your particular tastes. And you, Abe, are so uh, influenceable <laughs> on such matters. You'd be okay. like, oh, uh, whatchamacallit? I guess I'm a whatchamacallit guy now, and you just eat those for the next 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, at the uh, at the Hamilton show, they uh, you know I usually will get like a Jameson or something you know like on the rock something simple so I have to think and they're like oh we don't have that but we have this uncle nearest some weird like a uh, Black History thing like uh, s- some black inventor came up with it and I'm like yeah whatever I don't need the backstory I'll if that's all you have I'll take it <laughs> and then after the second drink I was like oh this is great like I'm probably just gonna start <laughs> wait <laughs> eating just a moment. Thing. You've been drinking Jameson on the rocks? Yes. That's your drink now? That's all I drink, yeah. Don't add anything okay. to it. Okay. Just give me that and then... Till till now. Now till, it's some special Black yeah. History Month yeah. cocktail. Although now the month is almost over. Yeah, so I was going to say, what the fuck are you going to do in March? You're, you're <laughs> fucked. Car bombs. Uh. <laughs> Abe, uh, did you make it... You went to the theater and you saw Hamilton. Did you also make Jesus it Christ, to, the, to the Everyman's Theater, the, I, the AMC? 
I did. I went to go see Perfect Days, which is a Japanese film. Um, all I'll say about this is um, it's kind of like this like slice of, slice of life kind of story. It just kind of jumps into this guy's world. But there, this is set in Japan. It's all in Japanese. Uh, and this guy just has – he, you know, I guess Japan – it's an interesting country. Uh, they have a lot of toilets, public toilets, and he works for the sanitation department. His job is just to clean the toilets that are available for the public use. And he's like – very meticulous. Like, he's, like, all about the job. He's not, like, happy that he's doing it, but he takes it seriously. He's got a co-worker much younger than he, a slacker. He's just worried about, like, some girl or whatever. He's just half-assing the work. But this guy, on point, and he lives a very regimented life. He wakes up at the same time. He goes to work. He drinks the same coffee. He goes to some bathhouse to take a shower because his apartment does not have it. Um, he goes, eats, like, a we snack. We see this... Are we sure this isn't reinforcing negative stereotypes that people might have about Asians or, or Japanese in particular? I, I did not have those stereotypes, so I don't know. Is that, a, <laughs> is that what they're known <laughs> Anyways, the, 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 they were trying to make a big show of how regimented he is. So for the first 30 minutes, four days in a row of the same thing. He's literally just doing the same thing over and over and over again. His niece shows up out of the blue. She ran away from her mother, his sister, uh, and it disrupts his kind of day. She's like, I want to tag along with you and blah, blah, blah. So they have a nice little, uh, you know, they're like, hey, how's life, blah, blah, blah. The mother shows up to pick up the snot-nosed kid who ran away, and she comes in a chauffeured car. And you're like, oh, what the fuck? And she's like, oh, you live here? And um, it looks like they had like a strained relationship. You live here, and you, I hear you're working at the, as a janitor like what the hell's going on he's like yep i'm happy i'm doing what i'm doing and she's like by the way dad is like at the uh at some hospice or some you know about to die place like you should go see him and he's like nope i don't want to do that so like that it was like the first time you're like initially you're thinking this guy's like living modestly and he's content but like it sounds like he came from a well-to-do family and he just said fuck that but they don't explain it. And the rest of the movie kind of like goes into some of it, but they don't really explain the movie. It was entertaining, but it, it ended it just like kind of unsatisfyingly. Like there wasn't like a reveal as to why he gave up his former What is life. this? I've, I've not heard of this before. How did this make it to the AMC in Atlanta? How is it? I don't know, but I was looking through the, I was like, oh man, this, this, this month of February is garbage. I mean, thankfully <laughs> this, upcoming, yeah. this upcoming week, Dune 2 is going to be out. So that's oh, back man. To, to good. Very, very high, highly well-reviewed movie yes, so yes. far. I'm seeing a lot of, I, I, I don't want to know more about it, but I saw the numbers and they're pretty high. But like up until now, it's been like slim pickings. And I saw like, oh, any foreign film will take precedence over, like, you know, some garbage movie that they're showing here. So right. I went to go see it. I don't know how it came to Atlanta, but, like, it was. It was entertaining. Well, good. Do I uh, – forgive me if I'm uh, uh, speaking out of school here. Aren't you notoriously uh, bearish on the Japanese? Some would say that, yes. And you have uh, a, 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 history, a history of a low opinion of the, of the Japanese why people? Why don't you not? Say that they make a big show of cleaning. You know, every time there's like a you know like a soccer or whatever. All right, enough of this stupid cleaning. They're cleaning other people's stuff. Like, I knew it was. I knew it was both deeply stupid, but also comically sort of potentially offensive in its uh, we did watch, understanding uh, of the Japanese people. We watched a bed making competition on YouTube. Oh yeah, we a watched a. Ozzy Man reviews uh, the the only good YouTube channel. That oh, I gotta is see not this. true. <laughs> What is this one about? I gotta see this. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a bed making championship in. I mean, I we assume Japan. I don't we know don't that know. it's Japan. It's Asia. I don't, 
I don't have any proof that it's Japan, but it sure looks like it uh, is probably Japan based on my, I would say, largely positive stereotypes about Japanese culture. Is yeah, I'm very, mad that I'm not Japanese and that I don't live there. Very fastidious and hardworking and disciplined. Uh, nothing wrong with that, right? Hey, you going, everyone? Welcome to the bed-making championships. It's one of those fringe extreme sports that will turn mainstream any day. Whoa, did you see that? He has a vice-like grip on the sheet, but it also floats across the mattress like a feather. Interesting he's not using a fitted sheet first. Has the public been sold a lie in regard to fitted sheets? Even if you buy extra deep, they're never long enough. If you change position once in the fucking night, the bastard fucking flies off and you're staring at your mattress... Anyway, it's interesting seeing what the pros use. Regular sheet, tucking it under, no worries. Look at Judgy McJudge. So that's what we did Saturday. Nice. We watched that. Uh, we didn't watch anything this It weekend. can't possibly be the case that uh, as a listener of this show, you have not also come across Aussie Man Reviews at some point. Uh, but if you have not and you need something to giggle at, YouTube, Aussie Man Reviews, he, uh, he's that guy who's doing the narration. My first Ozzy Man Reviews video was him narrating a marble race, and it was among the funniest things I'd ever seen uh, in my life up to that point, and I've been following his videos ever since. Uh, the only other thing that I think that we watched over the course of the last week has been a whole bunch of a BBC, or not BBC, but a, a British television show called Taskmaster, which we'd heard about before, but only recently, at least to our knowledge, uh, in the last couple of years, have the shows been available on YouTube? Uh, they not were on, on YouTube, but you had to pay for them. Right. They were like, uh, I mean, whatever. They were behind some sort of paywall or another. But now they're just available on YouTube, a whole bunch of them. And this is a very silly British game show where they have, over the course of a season, they have five, like, you know, D-list or C-list they're comedians, Com comedians uh, as the contestants on this show, and it's hosted by someone who is called the Taskmaster and uh, and his buddy, his little sidekick, uh, who's actually the creator of the show. And they have them do silly challenges, basically. They give them tasks to complete, and the whole thing is just watching these people do these absurd tasks, uh, and it is, it's just extremely funny. And it, I'm, my my take is that. I'm not convinced that it translates to America. Like, I, it's not clear to me that, like, there's something about the British disposition that, like, it just works yeah. because they're well, British part of people. It's the, just the same as British baking show. They don't win anything. They just win. Yeah, I'm sure that the 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 fact that there's not it's it's high absurdity with no stakes, basically, right? Like, it's it's high high all, all drama, no stakes, or or all comedy, no stakes, makes for uh, entertaining and light watching, and it's a great deal of fun. And I highly recommend people check it out because it's it's good. Uh, did we watch anything else, Lori? Alcohol, the woodworking, and the cocktails, but like, no, we only watched yeah, we're YouTube. Just watching YouTube videos this weekend for some reason. I don't know how that happened, but it is. You didn't want to watch a movie. Yeah. That was how that happened. I know how. Hey, what are your favorite YouTube channels that you follow on the internet? Uh, I don't uh, follow any. <laughs> oh, my God. I follow so many. Actually, I take that back. If anyone makes me happy on YouTube, I if they're like, subscribe. I'm like, okay. I subscribe to... Fucking no skin for, off my back. For years, I have refused to like or subscribe to anything on YouTube out of uh, an, a completely unknown principle to me. 
I guess <laughs> I have I've never vocalized it or formalized it or anything. But for an extremely long time, I basically flat out refused to do any subscribing or liking of things on YouTube. And in the last few years, as I have found things that are particularly relevant to my interests, I will subscribe. I still won't like anything. I, I, I'm still withholding my likes from both friends and family and also uh, complete strangers on and the internet. And then you complain when people don't like shit you put on the internet. You don't deserve any of it. You're absolutely right. Uh, but Maybe if you started liking things and subscribing to things, you would get more people liking and subscribing uh, to your things. I do subscribe to a handful of woodworking YouTube channels and then Aussie Man and then also – I haven't yet subscribed to Taskmaster actually now, now that we uh, mention it. I, I should probably subscribe to Taskmaster. Taskmaster doesn't need it. That's the thing. It's when these people are trying to make a living on YouTube and they're like, it would be really great for me and my family if you would just subscribe to my channel. Nothing bad happens. You just have a subscription. You know what it is? I don't want to contribute to that particular uh, form of an economy, I think, but, is but, the problem. But you're watching like I, it. I know, but I don't then want to... Then you don't to... get to watch it. I, no, I disagree. They won't make them anymore if you don't do the thing. Ah, they no. still will. Look at look at all these assholes with their millions of subscribers. They, they, it's easy support, I'm, I'm... right? You just press a button or two. By the way, I should correct just my press previous a statement. It, it, not that they need, they need this, but I subscribe to uh, CBS Sunday Morning and 60 Minutes and like... <laughs> They don't need it either. (laughs) I subscribe to so many things. But then your YouTube becomes unusable if you subscribe to too many things. What are you talking about? I use it all the time. And also, like, whatever you want. I mean, I watch YouTube videos. I just don't subscribe to them. But, like, oh, no. Like, oh, you like this. Some, I was watching somebody yeah, it's like, no taking different. flight somewhere, like reviewing some They know what airline. you're watching, whether you tell them about it or not. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's fun. And that's good because like my YouTube algorithm is actually pretty good where it gives me like good woodworking stuff and interesting physics and engineering videos. And like it's not too much trash. So I've done a pretty good job of curating that uh, without having to like anything. So why bother? Also, yeah, like uh, I'm more likely to, uh, I don't know, share something or otherwise promote it in that fashion than I am to just fucking subscribe, which feels like such an empty gesture to me. Uh, Anyway, Abe, uh, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight then, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. And you were shocked that a person would choose not to be butt-raped in order to escape captivity in North Korea, but equally horrified at the notion that you would be asked to be butt-raped in order for the outcome to be world peace, right? So you could, you could eliminate the problem for not just yourself, but for the whole of humanity right. of the Kim Jong-un uh, horrific repressive regime, because I assume that by accomplishing world peace through butt stuff, yes. the Kim Jong-un regime would not survive such an eventuality, right? True. Like it would, yes. uh, you cannot have world peace if the hermit kingdom is permitted to go on persisting as it has for many generations. No, but if... It's in keeping with my long-held position to never overextend yourself. Don't try to do too much, you know. Just keep it simple. Save yourself. But that's the thing. Like, that's this is the classic old person thing. 
How I've are... never, I've never, so maybe I've just always been an old guy, which is a perfectly acceptable charge. This gets into like uh, Jay-Z discourse kind of thing. Jay-Z was doing a character of when he did Big Pimpin', right? His whole, yeah. his whole thing is that he, he says this over and over again in his lyrics, like, I had to be dumber in order to be popular, right? I have to be more offensive and, and more ignorant and more completely gross about the way that I talk about women and violence and money in order to sell a bunch of records, right? This is, this is like the Jay-Z presentation is, is how he presents himself. And to me, it's like, no, like, fuck you, man. Like, uh, bullshit. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way necessarily, right? There are other rappers who are just as successful as you who do not do this thing that you do that glorifies... But as popular as him? You see, maybe some types of music, like there are certain demands, you know, like with country music, they have to have that twangy kind of thing. And this one, like with rap, you have to kind of be a little uh, abrasive, you know? And... Uh, be objectionable. Bowen hose like Mayweather. Bob, what's that lyric you like from the Chili Peppers? That that's their famous song that's on the radio all the time. Oh, my favorite uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers yes, lyric. Yes, what is it? That got mainstream, like wide mainstream, like top forty radio play. Yeah, what's he, the lyric? He says, "Drinking my juice, young love, chug a lug me." Okay, so that's why I said. <laughs> Stop. Because because this is an age-old, oh, the lyrics are so offensive, but, like, so were the ones we listened to, so were the ones before that. Calm the fuck down. I, uh, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there that is not just old men yelling at clouds, uh, necessarily, but uh, that's fine. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.